Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body Podcast. I've got a very, very special guest here today. Goes by the name of Dr. Sean O'Mara, and he works with business executives, professional performers, and athletes motivated to optimize through innovative techniques of performance enhancement. Dr. O'Mara was a founder of an innovative medical startup in Minneapolis called Lantu, focusing on health and performance optimization. Sean has over a decade of experience evaluating and more importantly, reversing chronic disease. He innovatively provides his clients with practical solutions to optimize their overall appearance, performance, health, and quality of life. No risky pharmaceuticals, hormones, or surgical interventions are needed for better optimizing results. So really excited to interview Sean and thanks for coming on today. Well, thank you, Martin, for having me. Uh, you know, it's really my passion. Uh, I'm, I'm this guy who is formerly a very diseased and unhealthy physician, and uh, I consider myself fortunate, very, you know, very lucky that uh, I learned about uh, some basic things that turned my health around that weren't part of my medical education uh, experience and training, and it so dramatically changed my life, and I'll, maybe I'll tell my story here at the outset. And as a consequence, um, I got this song inside of me, I like to say, and I just got to sing about it because I want other people to hear me singing and I want them to get this song. And so what happened to me is, you know, the typical story uh, of, uh, you know, most most guys had a, a pretty modest background. I grew up in a mostly blue collar home. My dad worked in the railroads. He eventually got, you know, he was a World War II veteran. And then he ended up uh, getting a job with the federal government. And D.C. was growing. And so my family moved to uh, D.C. from Buffalo, New York. And uh, I grew up in the suburbs of D.C. in a pretty modest, you know, background home and, you know, pretty average and uh, public school educated. And, you know, as I aged, I, you know, I went to college and graduated and I, I did some interesting things. I was in law enforcement and did undercover narcotics work and then I went law school. I was a criminal prosecutor and you know I never I was restless. And then I ended up going to medical school and I got a scholarship to go to medical school through the military. So I joined the military and became a physician. And then you know fast forward 15 years of uh, practice in medicine. And, uh, you know, now, you know, after doing so many jobs, I'm a little bit older than your average doctor. I have 15 years of medicine now, about 48. And I've got a gut. I'm a fat guy um, going through the hospital and uh, working in, in the emergency room. And I'm, I'm trying to lose weight by drinking skim milk because fat, you see, is a problem. And uh, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to drink low fat. It was the, the low fat era of uh, you know, nutrition. So uh, I'm eating everything low fat, non-fat. And uh, I got chocolate syrup in that milk and, and crap like that. And uh, it's going to get me nowhere. And, uh, I, and I'm accumulating disease all along. So I'm 48 and I got an erect, erectile dysfunction. I got a large prostate. So when I pee, uh, for those of you that are young, you, you get ready for this. When you get that, you, it dribbles out of you. It doesn't shoot out of you. It, it, it leaves the end of your body and it just falls immediately into the ground dribbles like a, a trickle and there's no stream anymore there's no hardly any noise just a little droplets and you're getting up all night long to pee uh, very frequently it's a miserable existence and then i had heartburn and uh, esophageal reflux and a condition called barrett's esophagus where i had precancerous lesions in my esophagus and cetating me to to have a scope, a medical scoping procedure for biopsy uh, to detect cancer as soon as it happens so I can get going on chemotherapy and radiation as soon as I get cancer. I mean, you just imagine the fate uh, and that kind of an existence where you're literally getting biopsies waiting for cancer and nobody's getting me better. They just keep giving me more medicines. And I had restless leg syndrome. I'd stay up all night long, I'd keep my wife up all night long, kicking my legs. I snored, I had obstructive sleep apnea. So I'd stop breathing and gasping in the middle of the night. And uh, that was very frustrating for my wife. And I had eczema, uh, itchy patches all over my body and, and uh, bleeding and lesions. And, and uh, I had uh, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, clogged arteries. Uh, you know, I had tons of medical problems and chronic low back pain, debilitating chronic low back pain and 
uh, arthritis and stiff as a board. I couldn't do any sports or anything. I just was falling apart. And then I meet a young guy who tells me about eating uh, a diet back then called the paleo diet. Now, I know it's a bit dated and it had its time, but for me, it was the right time. And I cut out carbohydrates and I cut out processed foods. And I it was about fast forward a year later because it's, you know, those changes. Let me tell you something. If you're listening, those changes of disease come on so slow. You don't pick up on it. It's not like the first time you get a little disease, you pick up on it. You kind of ignore it. So you're a train wreck. And that's just normality. And all around you, all your colleagues are train wrecks too. So the train wrecks don't look so bad because everybody's a train wreck. Well, the, the opposite is also happens when you start getting better. It's so slow that you don't really pick, pick up on the fact you know, when you when you make lifestyle changes, and that's what happened to me, uh, I made lifestyle changes. I cut out processed foods and I started eating clean. I ate meat and vegetables and whole form, you know, which is kind of the paleo diet, dietary approach to eating. And about a year later, I'm standing in my bathroom. And for whatever reason, my eyes were open to the fact that now I'm blasting away with a urine stream into the toilet, making noises like I used to when I was a teenager. And then I reflected on this change in awareness that I'm so, the urine isn't dribbling out of me anymore. It's now shooting out like it used to. And then I think about it and I realize I'm not getting up anymore at nighttime to pee. I'm not getting up four or five times a night interrupting my sleep. And it hit me not like a brick, it hit me like a pallet of bricks. And I'm standing in my bathroom and I'll, I always, I tell the story. I, you know, most people would be like, wow, I'm so happy. I'm so happy I'm peeing, I'm not waking up. I was mad as hell. I was pissed off, so freaking mad. Because what I realized in that epiphany was that I had been ripped off. I had had decades of disease and medications and smart doctors, including me, making decisions about my health care while I literally was falling apart, just getting more and more medicine. And then a patient who turned out, I thought he was like 23, 24, turned out he was 17. A freaking 17-year-old punk tells me about paleo and he changes my life. Well, with all those medical problems going away, I realized, well, freaking an MD physician could be so misled. What hope is there for the average person who's never been to medical school, has no idea, is trusting all these doctors? So that's how I got to become a researcher. I said, well, I have got to figure this out. I've got to figure out what happened to me that... You know, dietary changes? Why didn't I learn about this in medical school? What the hell was I taught in medical school? And so uh, I became a researcher. Uh, we got a grant from the National Science Foundation to study not just chronic disease, but the reversal of chronic disease, because that's what happened to me. How did that process happen? So we studied it and we realized animals in the wild don't have chronic disease. It's just one species that runs the earth that's got us humans. And so we dared to ask the question, my research partner and I, and we realized that animals eat what they should eat, they don't eat what they shouldn't, and they exercise very differently than us humans. And so when we tried to reverse chronic disease, we started using models that we saw were successful in the wild in humans, and lo and behold, it worked. And so uh, eating clean, we started studying different forms of eating, cutting out processed foods, and then we looked at different modalities of exercise. There aren't animals out there jogging. They sprint. They get away from predators and they catch prey. So these series of sprinting. So we abandoned distance running. We abandoned distance uh, durational exercise. Uh, we emulated basically the, the exercise patterns of animals, which are fights. I mean, animals are basically fighting. They're not out there exercising for fun or trying to look good. They're fighting other animals, either to kill it, to eat it, or to fight away a predator or a threat, defend themselves. So 
that's how we figured out what reverse Crohn's disease. And we, we, we discovered these biomarkers that I'll talk to you a little bit about in your audience. And we became aware of these dangerous depots of fat that were inside the body. Uh, one is visceral fat. And I'll start with uh, uh, maybe an example of this, uh, this particular image. And uh, I'll blow up these images so you can see them a little bit better. And you can see this guy in this image has this big daddy body, uh, bod, you know, dad bod, and his belly is sticking out. And his belly is sticking out because uh, of this image right here. Um, he's got, and if I can move it over here, I may have to move. Uh, so I just wanted to say, whilst you're doing that anyway, I was just going to say for the people listening back, just head over to YouTube and watch this because it's going to be very valuable. We'll go over to my YouTube channel and make sure you watch the video. Yeah, so I'll explain it for those that are staying with the podcast that don't go to YouTube. I'm looking at an MRI image. And in this MRI image, the cross-section through the admin, you see mostly white. So I like to tell my client patients and all my followers on social media that you want to have a Donald MRI scan that's mostly black, not white, because white is fat. And if you are mostly fat inside, you're going to be unhealthy. And that's the way I was, and that's the way this guy is with that belly sticking out, that purple arc showing that big dad bod, we call it here in America. So big MRI, filled with lots of visceral fat. And then in his image, um, repeated three months later, look how flat his abdomen has become and look how less white. Now he's mostly dark. So that's the first biomarker we talk about is a visceral fat and how it's associated with that dad bod. And so that's an important one for people to be aware of, and they should, you know, consider getting an MRI to take a look at. So here's another client, um, and we'll just blow up uh, their, their MRI images, and you can see, again, mostly white, and then this image here, followed up later, you can see that they've reduced their uh, visceral fat, and they, they now have more bigger muscles, and their abdomen, you know, that's enlarged in this image right here, is now become much flatter. And uh, that that time period is just uh, five months. Uh, they did that and this person is, is in their 60s and they, 63 actually, and they were infertile. So they, they were married and they had no kids. Uh, and suddenly now they, they become fertile and they get their, their wife pregnant you know, for, by getting rid of that visceral fat. So fertility, if you're struggling today and you're an infertile couple, and you want to improve your chances of fertility, get rid of visceral fat. And visceral fat is an impedance on fertility. Nature doesn't want you to reproduce if you got this bad biomarker inside of you that connotes and portends, you're not going to be on planet Terra very long to take care of those kids. So reproduction becomes um, very much uh, a, a difficult task to attain because species doesn't want you to birth children and then disappear. So get your visceral fat out and you'll improve your fertility. So this is another example you can take a look at in abdominal scans, uh, two social media influencers, one of whom is me and the other one uh, I, won't, I won't share, but you can see this abdomen has this arc here. So you can look at your pants, this card here tells you you know, what's going on. So it's an anterior peer. So you can use your photographs of where you're at. And you'll find younger guys will have this kind of a flat abdomen here. And older guys, as visceral fat starts accumulating, will have this protuberance of their uh, of their abdomen. So you can see what's happening with your, your uh, waistline of your pants and the arc that's created uh, by that, uh, by those pants, shorts, uh, give you an indice of probably how much visceral fat you have in. Well, let's look at this interesting abdomen here. We talked about this one earlier before the, the show got started. I think it's worth, worth exposing. This is a, um, a slice through the abdomen up and down. So this is the uh, back, the person's back, their buttocks, their abdomen, and we can see their internal organs sliced through their abdomen. So their abdomen, look how flat that abdomen is. There's no bulge pushing out. There's no bulge. Um, but and, and if you look at a slice of that abdomen in that MRI image, we can see that there's no visceral fat in it. It's all dark. 
In fact, this is one of the single best abdominal scans I have ever seen in a human being. And what's remarkable is let's take a look at that individual. Look at that person's body, but look at their hair. This is a 59-year-old um, social influencer on Instagram. If you want to follow her, her name is Carolyn Labouchiere. And uh, you could probably put the spelling up for your on your website. Yep, um, I'll do but, that. Uh, but uh, yeah, she is a, a very attractive uh, uh, woman of 59. Uh, she's elegant. She's beautiful. Uh, it's because she's healthy. And the reason she's healthy is because she adopted a low-carbohydrate diet. Now, I know there are a lot of people probably listening that think carbohydrates are good. But I will tell you, as a man afflicted with a passion to optimize human beings, uh, I have studied all matters of eating and lifestyles. And the ones that have cut out carbohydrates the most and for the longest period of time have an advantage over those that continue to consume carbohydrates, particularly in large numbers. So Go on, can I ask you, can I ask you on that? Sorry to interrupt about carbohydrates, because obviously, as you know, not all carbs are treated equally, right? So, and I know you mentioned about ultra processed food. So I'm thinking, right, what are the next steps people can take to actually reduce their visceral fat, right, around the internal organs? And you've mentioned, and I always talk about this, Sean, ultra processed foods, avoid them like the plague. What is it, would you say, would you say carbohydrates, period? Or would you say, right, certain things like seed oils and refined sugars you want to avoid or anything in particular, which can help people take that next step to, because the thing is, Sean, right? It's not losing the fat. That's the issue for most people because over 85% of people gain all the fat back, right? So that's the, yeah. it's, it's losing it and keeping it off that people struggle with, you know? Yeah. So you're right. Not, not all food is the same. Not all carbohydrates are the same. So, you know, if you uh, just, in this case, as an example, you're off. Your followers can, can appreciate this. Uh, this is a series of six scans, and this individual is 68 years old, and you can see a lot of visceral fat, you know, within their abdomen and the fat within their oblique muscles. So uh, what we noticed in decades of studying visceral fat is um, that it accumulates also in the muscle to the extent that you have visceral fat, you get this deposition of inflammatory fat within your muscles, that means your arms and your legs. And so this individual goes, you know, through a period of uh, 35 weeks and they've lost a huge amount of visceral fat by the time they get there. And the shape of their abdomen is significantly improved. Now they got a shape like a college student in their 20s, despite the age of 68. And the only thing they did, Martin, was they cut out processed foods and mostly processed carbohydrates. So uh, the elimination, they didn't eliminate all carbohydrates, but more processed foods. So they ate vegetables, which contain carbohydrates, but they ate clean. They didn't eat it in a processed form. So it's just meat and vegetables that they consume. And so you see this dramatic eradication or elimination of visceral fat as a consequence of that. So I am not an extremist where I, you know, I think that the way of eating is a light switch, you all or nothing. Um, it really is more about quality. So when you think about uh, macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbohydrates, while I you know, preface my comments at the beginning by saying the human being that eliminates more of their carbohydrates lives a better life, you know, it is impossible to go through life without some consumption of carbohydrates. I mean, I will tell you as a carnivore physician and I eat fermented vegetables and fruit, and as much as I purpose to eliminate all carbohydrates, I know a small degree of carbohydrates are coming in still in some of those fermented fruits and vegetables, but an even larger amount of carbohydrates are coming in in the form of the meat that I eat because there's glycogen, I eat raw liver, and there's a lot of glycogen, you know, uh, which is a carbohydrate stored in the liver of those animals. So I'm getting carbohydrates, but I will tell you, the quality of that carbohydrate rocks compared <laughs> to your ice cream and your muffins and your donuts. And you think you can get away with because you're a young person. You're, it's going to catch up with you. 
So I would prefer, and I work with clients to get them to understand that it really does amount to the quality of the calories, whether it's in the form of macronutrient of a protein, fat, or carbohydrate, the source of that. So anyway, you asked a great question about the, the appearance of, of that. So cutting out processed foods is really an imperative if you're going to optimize uh, optimize your health. So some other examples of um, of uh, uh, um, biomarkers that your clients could follow in addition to uh, um, visceral fat are some interesting ones is if you're young, there's this black line that's around your eye called a limbal ring. And you can go to a mirror and take a look at your the iris is the color, the color part of your eye and this dark ring. And to the extent that you have preserved that dark ring, you have lived better. Younger people will not acquire as much chronic disease to have eliminated the, that dark look of their eye. But you're talking the dark ring on the outside, right? Right on the outside of the uh, the pupil there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I'm going to look straight a, in the mirror after this. I didn't even know that. <laughs> this is a uh, yeah. Well, I, I look at these interesting biomarkers. This is a famous photograph from 19. I think it's around 1978. She was on the cover, if I'm not mistaken, Life Magazine or National Geographic. And this photograph was taken around the world, shown around the world. This was like one of the most popular photographs of all time. And it's because of those stunning eyes. And those stunning eyes are because of that dark limbal ring. So it's a very interesting thing. And we see this in, um, you know, models that are attractive. So this guy looks like, you know, kind of a steady guy. Um, I wish I looked like that guy when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Lady killer. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. Uh, but you can see he's got those rings around his eyes. And um, and then they're also present in um, uh, younger kids. So let's take a look at uh, these, these two images of this girl age um, uh, 10. And then she's 20 here. And you can see her darker rings, but she's still got them preserved at the age of 20. So these rings start to dissipate, uh, not because you get older, but because you get more disease. So um, it's an interesting phenomenon, but what happens to you when you really um, get older? Oh, for goodness sakes, um, is, um, yeah, I wish I had better, I don't know why that thing, let's see if it opens up now. For goodness sake, I need a <laughs> struggling with myself. There it is. That's all, that's all good, man. Yeah, but for everyone, just you're definitely going to get a lot of value from heading over to my YouTube, Martin Silver Fitness, and watching this. Uh, there it is. Right. Sure. If I can get it to come over. Um, do you see this eye here with the white ring? Yes. Yeah. So that's what happens. You lose your dark ring, and by the time you're in your 60s, in your 70s, you get this layer of phospholipids that starts positing around the iris of your eye, and you get, instead of a dark ring, you get this white one, and there it is up there, that white ring. Maybe you can see it better, whichever one of those two images. And so it's kind of the opposite. So you can track your eyes and see how your uh, how healthy you are. Uh, and you're 60, you're 60 now, right, Sean? And I'm sure you've got a lovely uh, black ring around the eyes, yeah? Uh, well, you know, the truth is I lost mom by the time I was in my 40s. And so um, I should be paying attention to see if you can re recover it. Uh, to the best of my awareness and knowledge, I don't think you can. Uh, but uh, something something else you can pay attention while you're looking at your eye that's on your face is take a look at your nose. So do you see these dots on your nose, on this person's nose? Uh, somebody might say, well, those are blackheads. The truth is, they're not blackheads. They're not clogged pores. These are pores that everybody has on their nose. And uh, let's just put you back at the age of 16, 17, and you're about to have your first kiss with uh, a significant individual, okay? A young lady in your life. And as you're, you're moving closer to do your first kiss, suddenly you get a good look at these black dots, these dark dots all over her nose. And what nature will tell you is repulse you. It will pull you back and you will lose the moment, okay? You won't have as much attraction. Now, had that young lady 
had some dirt on her face from working out in a farm, that wouldn't bother you. But these symmetric dots here, it's called imprinting. You've got biological software. No one ever told you about these things. Before I pulled this up, you probably didn't even know about it. But uh, you have this awareness pre-programmed that helps you to know what is attractive, what isn't. The reason why this one is not attractive is these, these dots here are oil that's been oxidized. So this person lives in a body that's highly inflamed and the oil within those glands become much more vulnerable to oxidation. And when oil becomes oxidized, it gets stark. Now, if you go to your mirror and you have these dots, that means you have a higher level of oxidation. And I will tell you, you are eating too much processed foods. We see this, especially, um, you know, uh, it's not as much uh, a ton of you know, ground up hamburger. It's going to be muffins and donuts and, and, and cereals and pizza, things like that, mm. or the processed carbohydrates. So um, if you don't have those, that means you don't have as much, you know, levels of, of oxidation um, within you. So it, the other factor is just looking at the size of the nose. So um, can you can you see that? Are you able to get a look at these three, three noses? So um, this individual here has a very inflamed face and inflamed nose. And uh, over the course of one year, they've dramatically changed the appearance of their face and their size of the nose as they eliminated visceral fat. And, you know, you could open up someone's abdomen and cut out their visceral fat. But the real change in the person's life comes from their lifestyle changing, where they stop pouring on the gasoline on that fire. So they cut out processed foods, uh, which uh, eliminates further contribution that visceral fat. If you just did a laparotomy, which is the medical term for opening up an abdomen, and you uh, eliminated through mechanical surgical intervention the presence of visceral fat, um, you would temporarily uh, uh, improve the person's health because they won't be accumulating, but the damage would have already been done through the influence of visceral fats secretion of these inflammatory molecules. So you really haven't cured them from the harm of visceral fat. You've just eliminated visceral fat and its further contribution for a day or so. Because guess what's going to happen unless you change your life? You're going to just go back and start secreting you know, com com greater composition and deposition of visceral fat within your abdomen. So the way to eliminate visceral fat is through lifestyle changes and not surgical changes. And this guy had a profound change in his visceral fat and as a result, a profound change in his face. So, hey, Sean, on the, talk, on the talk of um, ultra-processed foods, right, and eliminating them, I think we should yeah. touch on the fact that those foods, and I don't know if you've seen this study, you saw this study, it was a cross-study then as well. Long story short, people who had unlimited access to the ultra-processed foods, they ate 508 calories more a day. They crossed the groups over, the same thing happened. That's a lot of extra food people are eating, right? So yeah. these foods are designed to make us overeat, right? And I got stuck in it in my bodybuilding days where I would uh, just overeat every weekend, and it was a struggle. But with yourself as well, you said you switched paleo. So your approach for eliminating those foods was to basically seek out better quality foods. And then naturally you started to desire more of those foods and stopped eating as many calories, right? Because you would agree those foods are designed to make us overeat, right? Yeah. So they're hyper, they create hyper palatability, okay? Hyper palatable foods. They're designed to appeal to the tastes of humans to tintillate those senses. And, um, and so you, uh, you you concentrate on eating more and more of those simplified uh, carbohydrates and, uh, uh, and, and you get more and more of it. But belying that problem, really, Martin, what's going on, and very few people are aware of this, is in doing so, um, you are attracting a different type of species of microbes that are going to reside within your microbiome. So, for instance, let's do this in a macro sense, rather than talking about micros initially, what if we were to have a bunch of eucalyptus leaves in your backyard? Well, what would happen is you would start acquiring more koala bears. Koala bears like eucalyptus leaves. And you're not going to get a bunch of wolves. 
they're not going to have any benefit to doing that. So your food source that's in your environment attracts different species based on the type of food. Why should it be any different for the human gut and the species of microbes that reside within our gastrointestinal tract? So that is the simple reality is how you eat dictates the composition of species uh, that reside within your gastrointestinal tract that make up our microbiome, of which people have very little understanding of these species. Now, what's interesting is the species defines what your life is going to be like because they influence your health. So for instance, science has shown that people like yourselves who are motivated to exercise and we will, nobody would argue that you are not motivated to exercise nor would that be uh, a sound argument and anybody that knows my life because I exercise on a daily basis and I do so passionately. I am highly motivated and so are you. Now, in studies that look at the species of microbes within people that are motivated to exercise, they possess a certain species of microbes which are absent in couch potatoes. So the couch potato who doesn't exercise lacks these microbes. And so what's happening is where they're present, people are motivated to exercise. These microbes are influencing their hosts. They literally influence their lifestyles. And so they influence us to eat for them as well. So if those microbes and you and and let's you know let's open up reality. How many they're down? In. You have ten trillion human cells, but the composition of these microbes live in you are around the order of forty to seventy trillion different organisms. You are more a collection of other organisms than you are yourself. And so all of them have different needs in terms of foods. And they begin to influence the hosts that they occupy to get them to eat from them. Because the reality is they can't leave your body and go shop at McDonald's and get what they need. They got to get you to go feed them. And that's the simple explanation, men and women. If you suffer cra uh, cravings for food and you can't stop eating that which you don't want to eat and you hate and you know is bad for you, but you are powerless just recognizes the microbes inside of you that are wired into your system to eat for them. And the solution to getting past those cravings is stop feeding them because they're going to die in minutes to hours and those cravings will go away. And then you got to start eating, consuming your environment with healthy microbes like they come from uh, traditional foods like kimchi, kvass, fermented foods. And that's why I have all my clients eating fermented foods uh, so that they, as those uh, species of microbes that cause those cravings uh, are abated and they eventually leave their body, you replace them with good soldiers. Just like when we, in the U.S. military, I'm still active duty lieutenant colonel in the Army National Guard. When we were present in Afghanistan in large numbers, the Taliban had to exist in caves. They couldn't be open and out. You know, but as the U.S. military retreated, the Taliban now have come out and they're more prevalent. So as you get more beneficial microbes uh, from eating traditional foods and eating healthy meats and eating healthy uh, forms of uh, vegetables and, and uh, uh, healthy forms of fat, then those microorganisms that are aligned more with a healthier diet take residence within you and you no longer suffer the ravages of a processed food-driven diet which is, you know, the defining characteristic existence of somebody who eats a lot of processed foods is cravings. And that, that's a simple biological explanation of what's going on that nobody hears about. And it's why Oprah Winfrey is the wealthiest woman in the world, has gained weight and lost it and yo-yo died multiple times because nobody has ever educated her about the microbes inside her gut. John, what if I wanted to have one cheat day, right? Because that opt optimize your body. We're against cheat days because, number one, you're saying the word cheat, right? So you're already going to feel guilty. And number two, you've got an underlying issue, right? If you have to factor in cheat days and cheat meals and stuff like that, because I used to do that, Sean, full transparency in my bodybuilding days, you know, when I had a poor relationship with food. So what if I want to have one cheat day, Sean? Surely that's not going to yeah. hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, to be honest, Everybody's going to be a little bit different, but I'm not going to dodge that question with that explanation. There are different experiences for people based on their microbiome. So some people 
have a very optimized microbiome, which they have resident within their gut, a lot of really good healthy microbes. And when they cheat with a muffin or ice cream and candy, they do just fine. They don't have cravings. They don't fall apart. They don't get visceral fat. They don't get inflammatory disease within their body as a consequence of having a cheat day multiple times. And they could even have cheat days for maybe as long as a week or a month or a few months and have no measurable impact as a result. But then there is the man or woman that has one bite of a Snickers bar and they suffer the ravages of cravings that beset their life and they they finish, they, they may have thrown that one candy bar away and now they're on the hunt for other things because they just fed their microbiome, which is very different from the first person's microbiome. They now, they have within their resident a lot of pathogenic, obesogenic, meaning obesity generating microbes within their gut. And when you have a single bite of a candy bar, or a single lick of an ice cream. And then people went crazy when I made this comment on the minimalist. Stop thinking selfishly about your existence in this world. You have a 70 trillion population of microbes that that little lick of ice cream was like a football field full of food that dropped upon them. And that explains those individuals whose lives are destroyed and ruined with cravings. And you can pretend all you want to be passionate and compassionate about people and not having them have this uh, behavioral ideology and psychology about eating food and guilt and stuff. The reality is these species of microbes live within us and they are behind and you know uh, our cravings and for some people, they can't have a lick of ice cream. They cannot have a bite of a candy bar. Others, they can get away with it. And where you are in that group, those two ranges are going to be established by your microbiome. So I work with people to, to play it safe and get them to, to eat as healthy and clean as possible because reality is our species did just fine Without ice cream, muffins, candy, and cake, and all your ideology, you think that that's harmless and a calorie is a calorie. We've lived on this planet for hundreds of thousands of years, and we never had it. And we got better every single year. Now, we got all that processed foods, highly palatable foods, and we have never seen the like of disease fall upon our species as we see today. And we have never had more humans, more disease than we see today. And it's the first and foremostly a consequence of our terrible diets, which are radically different than how. Yeah. So these these cravings really um, uh, are the uh, based on these microbiomes. So everybody's a little bit different. So when it comes to cheat days, some people can get away with it, some people can't, and it's really defined by the microbiome. But the safest thing to do is to to eliminate those cheat days. Nobody helps themselves out. I mean, you cannot eat that food and point to a single bit of tissue inside your body that says when I eat. And it's, you know, the reality is you're not going to cheat with a piece of meat and you're not going to cheat with, a, with a, you know, some healthy form of fat. It's going to be a carbohydrate. That's what people cheat with. And you, you just understand those carbohydrates do not contribute in any way to tissue production. They're just energy. They're just calories. Fat and protein goes in the composition of tissue. So I get my clients just to play it safe. Work on optimizing your microbiome. And let's hold that hope for maybe being able to restore our microbiome down the road that maybe we can get back to enjoying some carbohydrates. But, you know, for the time being, work initially on restoring your health optimizing your microbiome and if you're somebody that look you know you're convinced and you understand you can eat carbohydrates and you do not have any problems um maybe you're right maybe you're wrong the best way to tell is to track it over a period of time with an mri and see if you're developing visceral fat 
there are social influencers out here that are promoting carbohydrates. And I can see, because I am the visceral fat doctor, they are increasing their visceral fat. They may uh, jump on some other, you know, some other way of measuring it, but unless they get that abdominal MRI, they don't really want to have the most accurate gold standard for determining if they are developing visceral fat. So if you're somebody that uh, regularly consumes carbohydrates, I would recommend highly that you get a visceral fat scan MRI to, to assess your visceral fat and, and track this important biomarker of visceral, visceral fat. And in the absence of being able to, to get one, you can start looking to see if you have some curvature, like I showed in a bathing suit of, uh, of uh, uh, shorts, so you can follow that. And it's really a downhill descension, you know, the, the, the projection of the abdomen within the uh, sagittal plane anteriorly that's causing that uh, abdominal descension. And interestingly, what we have found is it's the influence of that visceral fat weakening those muscles and those anterior structures of the abdomen so that they can't simply hold the guts in anymore. If you remember Carolyn, the beautiful woman, you know, Carolyn Boucher from Dubai, she's got that flat abdomen because her, her uh, structures on her abdomen at the age of 59, her anterior wall, are so healthy that they hold her guts in just like she's a 16-year-old. And you could take somebody that had a large amount of visceral fat, take it out, and they still will have an abdomen that pulls bushes out because of their guts is pushing out their weakened disease structures that would ordinarily hold it in. So um, an example of that might be, um, you know, gleaned from this. Uh, um, well, while you're bring, bringing that up, Sean, I wanted to just say something on the cheat meal thing as well. For example, when I went to Bali, it was my birthday back in July. I was there and I found out someone messaged me and said, oh, the best pizza place in Indonesia or something like that. And I thought, oh, it's my birthday. You know what? I haven't had a pizza for ages. I had that and I had an ice cream, right? Fine. However, what I didn't do, Sean, is I didn't say, I'm having a cheat meal. I'm going to cheat. I just had a pizza and an ice cream, right? So the reality is most people are not going to be perfect. So I would just like to say, you don't need to say I'm cheating because that that is followed by guilt. At the back of your mind, then it's like, I'm cheating. I'm being naughty. I'm shoplifting, like you said in your video, right, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the insights and in how we do things, I think it's important to, to understand it. And, you know, I am the person that tries to live my life with always the glass being half full and trying to have a positive outlook. But at the same time, uh, when I see disease and uh, affliction going on inside my body and my clients, I, I like to expose it and not sugarcoat it. And so that's why I think the, the MRI is useful. And so I'll pull up this other biomarker, and hopefully it shows up. Um, these are spider veins. And by and large, they're regarded by the health community as, as relatively benign, right? I mean, if you look at those things, they're, they're, they're probably not contributing to uh, much disease. What it is, by way of explanation, how do you get spider veins? It is the accumulation of poorly oxygenated blood uh, accumulating within these vascular structures. Now, what should happen is that blood should be flowing through so quickly that it's not slowed down and causing this swelling. It's basically backing up. Uh, the pipes are not working as well. The, the, the pumps that are responsible for keeping the pipes clean are not working as well. And so we get this manifestation, these spider veins. Well, a lot of people, you know, believe that they're harmless. What's really the problem is the lying, the spider veins existence is our poor lifestyles and processed foods causing this production. So I encourage, uh, mostly women typically have more spider veins than men, but men have them. If you eliminate processed foods, clean up your diet, these spider veins will disappear. And so you can see them, interestingly, on your legs, your ankles, and on your eyelids. So you can go and look in a mirror and see if you have these purplish veins on your eyelids. And just in and case people are not watching, sorry to interrupt, you're just talking about bright kind of blood vessels gathering. And is there any particular areas on the body they tend to be more common, sorry? Yeah, so the inside aspect of your ankles, on your legs, uh, on your eyelids, on thin skin, they show up a little bit better. And then interestingly, on males, 
their skin on their penis. If they're not circumcised, uh, it's their foreskin. Uh, it's what's, you know, I say foreskin, I generally say foreskin. It, it, it's any skin on the penis will have, uh, as you age, it, it becomes this organ that reveals your health, like your face. And, you know, uh, it's not well known within the public knowledge, but for us physicians that have to do things like hernia checks um, and urologists, uh, a 60-year-old, 70-year-old, 80-year-old penis looks very different than a 16- or 20-year-old penis because of this, you know, venous stasis that's on there. But remarkably, you can take a 70-year-old uh, male that's filled with uh, spider veins on his foreskin, on the skin of his penis, get him to clean up his diet, and it will clear up and start looking more like a 20-year-old penis as the blood flow starts going better. Now, why is that important? Why is blood flow important to the penis? All right, guys, make the connection. You want better blood flow. So if you have a D, if you're starting to have erectile dysfunction, take a look at your skin on your penis. You're going to see these purplish veins, and they will have slowly accumulated over a period of time that you haven't noticed them. But if you eliminate the, four, the, the, the processed foods from it and start eating healthy, uh, doing some maximum intensity exercise, sprinting, doing some sauna, get some sunshine, all those things will improve your health. Those spider veins will reverse. And guess what? The plumbing starts working better. And so I restore erectile functioning in my male patients by you know, uh, doing precisely that. And it really uh, parallels the elimination of visceral fat, which causes, contributes to inflammation to the, the uh, compromise of the blood flow and manifesting in spider veins and in erectile dysfunction and in poor blood flow to the organs and declining uh, blood flow to your, your, your musculature. And we see sarcopenia, lots of muscle mass. So uh, the, the muscles start deteriorating, but the tone of those muscles. So we see in the 70-year-old male who may still have some residual mass within their pectoralis majors, their pecs of their chest, the tone is diminished, so they start sagging. And that's because blood flow is somewhere flowing to those, uh, those tones. And another biomarker where blood flow is declined is skin turgor. So skin turgor is assessed by how fast your skin snaps back when you hold it up on the palm of your hand. So if you have access to a 10-year-old or an eight-year-old, watch how fast it slams back like a rubber band. And if you're 80 years old, you may pull your skin up it and it stays right there. It's slowly based down maybe over the course of like a half hour. <laughs> so what a difference, but that's an important biomarker. Now check this out. If you go out in the sunshine, and you, before you go out there, you check your skin turgor, and then you go out in the sunshine and check it again, you know, 30 minutes after being in the sun, you will see a dramatic change in your skin turgor because of a molecule that was produced when the sun hit your skin called nitric oxide. Isn't that interesting? So take a videotape of this one, you know, before you go out in the sun, videotape afterwards, and you will be able to appreciate the difference and that will reinforce the intervention. What happened? Sunshine. Oh, I went out in the sun. My skin uh, snaps back more. I mean, she got better blood flow. With the better blood flow, the skin performs better, and it snaps back. It's the only explanation. You know what they taught me in medical school? Collagen. You see, old people's lack collagen. Shh, let's not get into sunshine and nitric oxide. Nitric oxide will improve the Hades out of you. Careful if we get people better improved, they may not buy all our medicine we're selling. So the reality is when you go to a doctor today, they don't sit and spend any time telling you what you got to do to get better, except you got to buy these drugs from us, have this procedure done with us, get this particular whatever, that they make money off of. There's no money in sunshine stopping processed foods, eating healthy meat and, and healthy, health, healthy, clean, you know, way of eating, getting more sleep, using a sauna, doing a cold plunge, you know, cold showers. There's no money in all that. And guess what? You're killing the goose that's laying the golden egg when you get these people healthy because they're not going to be coming back buying any more of our drugs. Mm -hmm. So I smell a rat. 
Um, I really think that the curriculum in medical schools are controlled by big pharma. I think they're very much entrenched in the curriculum and establishing that curriculum. And I'd like governing bodies around the world to investigate who is responsible for teaching these doctors uh, what they're taught and more importantly, what they're prevented from learning because I think it's having a prevailing effect on the amount of disease that we see in our, in our, in our, our species as a consequence of that. Mm, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What would you say to people to, you mentioned about getting an MRI scan to see where they're at with their visceral fats, you know, whether that might be a DEXA scanner to see their, you know, fat and everything else and lean body mass. And also what, like what, so what I'm trying to say is what kind of tests or blood tests or anything would you recommend people do just so they can see where they're at? And then the second question is, what do you think, what would you say the, I know you mentioned eliminate ultra processed foods. What would you say the, the big rocks are that people then need to focus on to improve metabolic health and, you know, longevity? Yeah. So it comes to different forms of tests for uh, assessing visceral fat. Uh, the gold standard is most accurate um, in, in quantifying it and uh, giving the best resolution as a uh, MRI. The second one down from that would be a CT scan. Um, th third scan down uh, from that, it doesn't allow uh, imagery, but would at least give you uh, accurate quantification would be a DEXA scan. The DEXA scan, however, just gives you a quantifying number. It doesn't allow you to image, to visualize that visceral fat. And it's the disease that you want to visualize uh, that's important and not, not its uh, numeric impact. So um, if, you, if you really want to, um, uh, I, I, was, I was sharing this with a, an airline owner because somebody owns an airline. I said, you don't want to be following your disease by numbers. Let me put it in your world. You own this airline. If uh, somebody told you that 100,000 gallons of JP8 jet fuel uh, just uh, leaked all over an airport tarmac from your facility, um, you would have an idea of what that was like and it would be a problem. But if you were standing there, and you washed 100,000 gallons of jet fuel leak out of your tank and go all over this airport, you would have a far more dramatic impact with that data, and you're gonna act very differently. That's the way it is with biomarkers. You have to look at the disease process. When we reduce it to a number like it is in the DEXA scan, it doesn't engage you to improve and optimize your body and make changes the way you stare at the enemy within by looking directly at that visceral fat from the imagery it produces. So the problem with laboratory reports is that they're, they don't offer any imagery. They're just numbers on particular values. So I've actually given them up. I don't even do lab reports. I have some of the wealthiest people um, you know, on the planet that come to me to optimize their health and I don't order blood work on them. I order visceral fat. And then I photograph their spider veins, their skin turgor, and I do a variety of tests that we, you know, we videotape them, sprinting and other interesting tests. And then we track their improvements. So I pay attention to what, you know, these biomarks are called, called key biological indicators, KBI. And I, I use that and I instruct and I tell your audience to do the same thing. It's how companies get better. They follow KPI, key performance indicators. And when you study that, you can optimize a company. But when you study KBI, key biological indicators, you can optimize a body. And that's the problem with uh, healthcare today is that we're following the wrong KBI. We're really following what optimizes um, a, uh, a, a bank account of the healthcare system or the insurance companies uh, to increase revenue and big pharma. But there's no improvement inside the human. There's no attention to key biological indicators that are of real substantial value in, in, in terms of evaluating somebody's level of health. All the electronic medical records that exist out there today that are used by healthcare systems, um, their metrics are designed to increase revenue, not to improve the health of a patient. Uh, so it's it's really uh, a, a deceptive process. So um, MRI, CT, and then a DEXA scan and the least uh, helpful, but the cheapest of all, would be a bioimpedance scale. And you can buy those for about $20 off Amazon. 
And that, that gives you a very poor inference, kind of a reading of your visceral fat based on calculation. It's not a direct measurement of it, but that's, you know, visceral fat is an uh, important thing to, to, to talk about. And then your, your second question went to, you know, strategies, what, what people can do. So we mentioned in, earlier that you want to eliminate processed foods and the, the, the role that processed foods plays. Well, uh, are, are significant in causing visceral fat. The four other uh, stressor uh, 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 contributors to visceral fat that we saw in our studies for the National Science Foundation is a poor sleep. So to the extent that you're not sleeping adequately, you will contribute to the deposition of visceral fat within your abdomen. So poor sleepers, insomniacs, people that stay up and are night owls, stay up late, don't get as much sleep. People whose sleep is interrupted because of noise or trips to the bathroom or because they're sleeping with a, 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 a partner, a husband or wife, a spouse who snores and uh, has restless leg syndrome or whatever, or they're sleeping with dogs in their bed that can interfere with their, their sleep for you know a multitude of reasons. So um, you want to sleep well and thoroughly. The third contributor is alcohol. Alcohol uh, is a disruptor of your metabolism. And the more alcohol you drink, the more we see metabolic derangement. And it's, uh, it is directly proportionate to the amount of impact on your metabolism when you drink alcohol. So um, it's a little bit like your question about cheat meals. You know, I'm not a light switch kind of a guy. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't say that you cannot be healthy if you drink alcohol. I just say that you will be healthier if you cut it cut it out. And to the extent that you cut back, if you're not going to cut it out completely, you can improve your health. And so for some people, you know, um, they they would be better off, you know, cutting back on their alcohol. And maybe it's too much of an ask for them to to cut it out completely. And I don't want them walking away from me because they they believe I'm a light switch kind of an absolutist that says you cannot drink any alcohol uh, to be healthy. And then they walk away and they won't at least cut out processed foods and won't do sprinting and get some sunshine and these other things, you know, that I talk about improving their sleep. So I'd rather, you know, people drink some alcohol um, and at least try to do these other things, but the more they cut back. And so the alcohol, I get this question a lot, is what kind of alcohol? You know, what would you recommend? Well, when I was drinking, I don't drink anymore today. Um, I, I cut it out about three years ago. Um, when I was drinking, I drank a dry uh, red uh, wine, like a Cabernet Sauvignon, that was the, the driest form, the low, lowest amount of carbohydrates. And it also had a modest amount of alcohol. Wine doesn't have a lot of alcohol. If you're trying to go zero carb and thinking that liquor like tequila or vodka is preferable because of lower carbohydrate amounts you're eating, uh, one step forward, two steps back, because that increased uh, ethanol presence is going to have a far greater uh, detrimental effect on your metabolism than the small amount of carbohydrates you're getting in the red wine with less alcohol or ethanol present in it. So, uh, nature favors the organism that analyzes the best. So you need to be looking at all the pluses and minuses in life when it comes to decisions. And when it comes to alcohol, that's an important choice. It is not something of uh, little consequence. It has the enormous potential for consequence. And as a former police officer, a former criminal prosecutor, and an emergency medicine doctor, I've seen lives completely destroyed by alcohol. And yet other people seem to use it modestly and have it in a complimentary sense where they drink very modestly with friends. And it looks and it appears to have a positive uh, source and presence in their lives. Well, people are all different and, and they'll have to make those choices about. But alcohol does increase visceral fat. And the fourth one is stress. So stress has an enormous impact on our lives. And I'll show you this picture of this um, very telling um, photograph of uh, this guy who's from uh, England. So he's a British guy. And uh, this guy here um, is operating with a lot of stress. He's in a job that he hates here. And he's working within the film industry. He, he, he's one of my followers on Instagram, gives me permission to use his photographs. 
And uh, this poor guy, um, when this photograph was taken, had two significant events happen to him that week. And the two significant events was he had full cardiac arrest, two times CPR in one week. There's not a lot of humans that can say uh, they've had CPR done to them in two weeks, full cardiac arrest, and live to talk about it. But this guy, Tom, um, actually had that happen. So between this photograph and this photograph, how long do you think is the period of time, Martin, between the, the time period for him to change his face that much and improve it that much? How long did that His take? eyes are the different color. That's what's blowing my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say the, the different, uh, how long, how much time, I would say a year at least. So what, what's the surprising thing was, and, that, and I'd be pretty happy all would. I mean, wouldn't you like to improve that much in one year? The significant thing in the story behind this guy is he improved that that much in three months. Jeez. Three months he changed. And what did he do? He quit his job. He quit his job. And uh, he went from working in the film industry, and unfortunately, I don't have a photograph of him. Um, but I, I, in this particular series of uh, photographs, but he went out and he and he took his job that was a hobby. He loved to do leather work, and so he started working full time as a a leather artisan. Instead of editing films, he made costumes for periodic costumes for the film industry. Uh, to help them have belts and bags and, and vests and things like that. And he loved it. He works outside in the sunshine. So as a consequence, he significantly improved his face, you know, that much to have that, that kind of a profound effect. So he basically now looks uh, in this photograph here like he could be a lead male actor in a movie. He mm -hmm. goes from basically kind of a, a, un, a you know, unimpressive looking individual to a very, a healthy, handsome-looking guy could be, you know, a movie star. And so that is the story of stress in your life. When you're in a job and you hate it and you are gritting your teeth and you're you're not doing what you really should be doing, get out of the job. Uh, stress causes not only visceral fat, but it, it will kill you. And so uh, I warn my clients, and I'm careful to go through the amount of stress that they have in their lives, to try to evaluate the, the role that that, that that is happening because it not only causes visceral fat, visceral fat, but eventually it could end up taking your life. So, uh, and the last one that we saw is durational exercise. So too many hours in a gym, too many miles jogging, too many miles riding a bicycle, cycling. So chronic exercises makes, it appears to be, uh, uh, making visceral fat more refractory to being removed from the body. We saw this time and time again, when people were persistent in cycling or jogging, that we were very uh, ineffective, much less effective at eliminating visceral fat. And when we got them to stop doing distance running and cycling and, and long times in the gym, uh, and got them to increase the intensity and shorten the time period to exercise, that visceral fat would would flee the body and get eliminated a lot more easily. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Thanks for sharing, man. There's so much value in this episode, my man. Absolutely action-packed. Yeah. Where can the audience find you, Sean? I'll include all of this in the uh, show notes, of course. Yeah. So I'm on social media, and uh, I have a, a I enjoy social media and being a message to people what they can do to begin biologically optimizing themselves. So my platforms are... Um, Instagram, Twitter, now called X, and uh, YouTube. Um, and I operate under the same screen name or handle on all of those. It's just at D-R-S-E-A-N-O-M-A-R-A. -A -A. So you can just get me Dr. Sean O'Mara. And then I also have a website that's just that if people are interested and they, they uh, think they might be interested in working with me. They think they want to try to bio, become the best biological version of themselves possible. Then they can consider working with me at my website. It's just www.drseanomara.com. And uh, they can find out information there about working with me one-on-one -on -one, um, here in Minneapolis and I, I look for very motivated people who really just want to be that, the best biological versions of themselves possible. Love it. 
Thanks again for your time today, Sean. Really, really enjoyed this, man. Yeah. Well, thank you, Martin. I appreciate the opportunity to come speak to you and with your audience to share this important message about health and performance optimization. I wish you all the best in your platform, and I'd be happy to come back and speak with you anytime. That would be incredible. Yeah, go and check Sean out. Check out his Instagram alone and all the stuff he mentioned there will be in the show notes. His content is gold, and you're going to get a ton of value from it. Thanks again, mate. Yeah, and uh, yeah, make sure you jump on uh, Instagram, contact uh, uh, Carolyn so that um, you can get her on your show because I think that would be yes. a really interesting show. She's a lovely woman, and her husband, David, you know, you should have David on too. Her husband, David, is an accomplished athlete. Uh, he, he's very competitive. I think he does uh, Ironmans or, or he's a triathlete or something. And he's competing. Uh, he's a little bit older. I think he's 60, 63. And uh, uh, somebody, this is an interesting story. Uh, somebody was complaining about David's appearance, saying he looked gone or something. Well, David, I'll tell you, as a health-optimized physician, is very healthy looking. Uh, when you when you're in, if you get him on on your podcast with her, you'll see this is a very healthy appearing couple. And so Carolyn, um, she got her hair up uh, over that comment on the thing, and she goes, "My husband performs very well. He will go and compete against men men much younger than himself, and he will win the competition." So she is just going after this guy. Saying, you're all wrong about my husband. He's really healthy. So I love, I love that. that she came to his defense. And um, and they're a delightful company, a couple, uh, very educated, uh, articulate. They'll be wonderful guests for you Martin, on your show. So compliment David and Carolyn. Uh, you can tell them that um, I, 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 you know, recommended that they should be guests to promote health, uh, you know, on your, on your podcast. And I, I think they'll come on half hour, 45 minutes, an hour meeting uh, and give you a nice podcast. Amazing. Hopefully I'm going to mess you today anyway, and I'll compliment her. Obviously, she's doing a great job and she's putting amazing information out there as well, right? So having a big impact. So hopefully I can make that happen for the audience, all right? And get Caroline on. Yeah, you let me I think know. It'll be... You send me the link. I want to see her on your show. Awesome. Will do, Sean. Thanks again, my man. Okay, Martin. You take care. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Optimize Your Body Podcast with Dr. Sean O'Mara. Just wanted to give you a reminder, ladies and gents, I've literally just launched on my social media my six-week program just right now. So if you've just listened to this podcast and you want to get your foot in the door in terms of my coaching program, this is a big opportunity because my normal minimum sign-up is 90 days. This is only six-week commitment. It's actually barely a commitment at all, right, when you look at six weeks. And the results you're going to get is you're going to drop four to six kilos of fat, which is around about, I don't know, give or take 10 to 15 pounds of fat within that six weeks. You're going to build lean muscle and achieve drastic strength gains. And you're also going to supercharge your energy. Now, this could be a huge opportunity for you. So don't miss out. All you've got to do if you want to get involved with this is simply just either A, go to the show notes and click the link for the coaching form. Okay, but the mo the best way to do this is just to simply head over to my Instagram. Again, the link's in my bio. Click my Instagram and just drop me a direct message with the word info. It's much easier. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take you less time. And we can then just see if you're going to be a good fit for the program. And, and then if you are, obviously, we can take it from there. So anyway, this is your last chance, my friends. If you're thinking, if you've been sitting on the fence for so long that you've got bloody blisters on your ass, okay, take action right now and let's do this.